This morning's reading comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 11. I'm not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very mature in nature God, did not consider equality of God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by the taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I believe it was 1978 that I first attended Greenbelt, a Christian camp for young people. In fact, there were thousands of us enjoying music and arts in the grounds of Castle Ashby, North Hants. It was my first introduction to Christianity outside the church four walls. It was here where an up-and-coming band appeared on the main stage, much to the excitement of the 25,000 that attended it. The band was U2. And as marvellous as it was, and the crowd being so excited by it, for me, it was sharing communion with 25,000 others that was more special. That was the highlight. Seeing people publicly proclaim that Jesus is Lord just blew my mind. Roll on a few more years to 1982, and we sang Jesus is Lord, creation's voice proclaims it. A song, a song still very much a favorite of mine. Jesus is Lord to me is like a hand in a glove. You see, lordship is inseparably linked to the name of Jesus. I'm not a modern, modern technico guy. Can't even turn a laptop on. We'll get there in a minute. In Philippians 2, 9 to 11, Paul writes, what have I got to do? You know, there are sometimes you wish you didn't bother, isn't there? <sighs> sweat, sweat. Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm not going to touch it now. In many ways, this could be our Advent Sunday or Easter Sunday, where we talk about the coming of the Christ. You see, Jesus came from heaven to earth, contracted himself to the measure of a virgin's womb, was born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, and died on a cross as an atoning 
sacrificial death, was buried in a tomb and raised victoriously. He ascended into heaven to occupy his throne in glory, where God has highly raised him and exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. Lordship was at the very heart of Jesus' redeeming work on the cross. Paul makes this clear in Romans 14, verse 8 and 9. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. Someone once said, when the names of the earth's benefactors are no more remembered, when the achievements of science are no longer of value, when the guesses of philosophers are seen to be in vain, when time shall be no more, multitudes in praise of him in gratitude for salvation through his name will still sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb of enduring name. I find it fascinating that this author's name has already been forgotten. Think about this for a moment. The Bible spans over 1,500 to 1,600 years, and it's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth. And yet the names of recent people in history have been forgotten. But the name of Jesus and others mentioned in the Bible remain on our lips. Even if you have no Christian faith, people would know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and know they weren't in the Beatles. You see, there never was a name like the name of Jesus, so typical of sacrificial love at its best. And someday every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, as Mike told us last week. You see, when the lordship of Jesus is, set, is a settled issue in the Christian's life, all other issues are settled. It is my privilege and responsibility to teach what the Bible says about serving God, witnessing, and soul winning, stewardship of time, talent, and treasure, faithfulness to God's work, missions, and many other aspects of Christian responsibility. I would say that if the Christian has settled the lordship issue, then all other issues in their life are also settled. When Jesus is Lord of a person's life, they will fulfill their duties, obligations, and responsibilities with joy. S.M. Zwema makes a sobering statement about the lordship of Jesus Christ. He says, unless... Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. This is a challenge to all Christians to bring every area of our lives under the sovereign rule of Jesus Christ. In our lives, there should be no rivalry for his throne. The Lordship of Jesus has both future and present relevance in our lives. Paul in Philippians 
2, verses 9 to 11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage has both future and present application. There is a day coming when every person who has ever lived will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of all. But for the Christian, that great confession should be an everyday practice, an everyday reality. A Christian should live moment by moment in faithful submission to the Lordship of Christ. Now, it could be easily, easy to mislead you here, for while attempting to know more about the Lordship of Christ and for us to make Jesus Lord of our life may be our heart's desire, but in reality, we do not make Jesus Lord. He is Lord. The central message of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is Lord. I say again that the most important truth in relation to the Christian experience is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If this is true, and I do believe that it is, should it not coerce us to make this preaching of the message a matter of priority and urgency? I wonder, could it be that the source of defeat, discouragement, and despair in the lives of some Christians is, in large part, the fact that they are attempting to live the Christian life in their own strength and power? They've not yet discovered the truth taught by Paul in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it involves a recognition of his lordship. For the Savior who saved us when we received him by faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot and do not receive him as Savior only. We receive him as Lord and Savior. However, for some, yielding to Jesus as Lord is after their conversion. It may be a few months later, or it could even be years later. It might be that you didn't reject the Lordship of Jesus, but it might be that you did not know about his Lordship. He was only presented to you as a Savior. We must not fail to communicate the whole body of God. He is both Lord and Savior. But what does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? For Jesus to be Lord of your life means that he is the ruler. He is the boss, the master of your whole life. He cannot be part of it. He must be given control of our entire life, our whole life. When thinking about the whole life of a person, we must think of the various parts that make up that person. Paul wrote, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul makes it plain that the whole person is made up of spirit, soul, and body. A person has an inner, private, unseen to the natural eye aspect of life, 
and as an outer, visible, and public life that is seen and heard by those who they come into contact with day by day. Jesus desires to be Lord of the seen and unseen, the visible and the invisible, the private parts of our life and the public parts of our life. He wants to be Lord of our spiritual life and our physical life. Is that frightening for you to hear? That Jesus wants to be the Lord of your private life? Those areas are known to the rest of us. I think it should be. The inner sanctuary, the soul, spirit, contains the mind, the emotion, and the will. It is in our spirit and soul that we think, feel, choose, decide, dream, and plan. Battles are fought, won, or lost on the battleground of our private lives. Is Jesus Lord over this area of your and my life? The writer of the Proverbs said, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And also, keep your hearts with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Don't underestimate the importance of our private life. Although more attention is given to the physical body, our true spiritual health is determined by spirit and soul, not the body. The outward life expresses the inner life. The outward life involves our eyes, our ears, our lips, our hands, our feet, our entire body. Our public life is expressed by what we see, what we say, what we hear, where we go, and what we do. It is so important that Jesus be Lord over our public life. We need to see the public life in the context of our home life, the workplace, the classroom, and the neighborhood. We need to see it in its relationship with friends, family, work colleagues, neighbors, and classmates. We need to see it in its attitude towards possessions, obligations, responsibilities, and the use of time and resources. That last statement will, will resound with our home group as we're looking at Francis Chan's letters to the church where in Acts 2, they gave all they had to others in need. If we agree with S.M. Zweimer, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all, then there are many areas of life that must come under his lordship. Is Jesus the Lord of your thoughts? Is Jesus the Lord of your emotions? Is Jesus Christ Lord of your whole life? So what does it say? What does it involve to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? What must we do for Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life? The answer is easy. Give your life to him. This involves taking your hands off the controls of your life and allowing him to be in control. But then such an important 
question requires more than a quick answer. For Jesus to become the Lord of someone's life involves absolute and total surrender. F.B. Mayer was a Baptist preacher and pastor at Christchurch in the heart of London in the 19th century. During a successful ministry, Mayer confessed that something was lacking in life and ministry. J.H. Jowett recounts the following story. Dr. Mayer has told us that his early Christian life was marred and his ministry paralyzed just because he had kept one thing back, one thing from a bunch of keys he had given to the Lord, every key save one. The key of one room was kept for personal use and the Lord was shut out. The effect of the incomplete consecration was found in lack of power, lack of assurance, lack of joy, lack of peace. Let me say that the joy of the Lord begins when we hand over that last key. Mayer experienced the Lordship of Christ when he handed over that last key. He had kept back the key to one room of his life and it brought him great loss. Remember, if he is not Lord of all, of every room, then he is not Lord at all. Have you given keys to every room in your life? Does he have every key to the room in your private life? Does he have the key to every room in your physical public life? Is there a room marked private, keep out? If so, you must be willing, and so must I, to surrender that key to the Lord. There is a second element in giving our lives to the Lord. In addition to absolute surrender, there must be an acknowledgement of his ownership. Paul addressed this subject of ownership in 1 Corinthians. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We are not our own. We were bought at a price. We belong to Jesus. We are his purchased possession. When a person yields to the Lordship of Christ, he or she acknowledges his, with a capital H, ownership, and gives up his or her personal rights. Yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ also involves total and unreserved obedience. If he is the Lord of your life, you're going to do what he tells you to do. If I was asked what I consider to be the most important word in the Christian vocabulary, I would say obedience. The second would be service. Elijah's response to God in 1 Kings 17 and 18 is that the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he did what God told him to do. Several times God spoke and Elijah obeyed. As a result of his obedience, Elijah was used in a powerful way to exalt God's name. His response to God's word was immediate and exact. 
He did exactly and precisely what God told him to do as soon as God told him to do it. Remember that delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. Lordship involves obedience. I wish I could say the same for me. For I know if I'm asked to do something, if I don't do it straight away, if I don't act upon it, I probably won't. I'll probably forget. Only this week, I had three requests from, um, to check lessons from the bridge project. And I had to stop everything and focus on it. Otherwise, it would have remained in my in-tray. Jesus raised an important question. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Are you doing what the Lord has instructed you? Are you doing it immediately and exactly? Are you obeying God? Stephen Alford recalls a wonderful story about an incident in the Bible Sorry, an incident in the life of his friend and mentor, Graham Scroogey. Dr. Scroogey was speaking at Keswick. On one occasion, he was approached by a young woman who had been greatly stirred by his message on the Lordship of Christ. Walking up to, the end, walking up to him at the end of the service, she said, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but I'm afraid God will send me as a missionary overseas, and I don't want to go. Opening the Bible to Acts 14, Dr. Scroogey explained the utter absurdity of Peter's answer. Remember that God had given Peter a vision of a sheet with all manner of four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter answered, not so, Lord. Dr. Scroogey went on to explain, a slave never dictates to its master. Therefore, to say, not so, Lord, was impertinent. Now, Dr. Scroge advised, I want you to cross out two words, not so, and leave the word Lord, or else cross out the word Lord and leave not so. Handing her his pencil, he quietly walked away. For some time she struggled, then he returned. Looking over her shoulder, he saw a tear-stained page. The words, not so, were crossed out. With a glad light in her eyes, she repeated affirmatively, Lord, Lord, Lord. No longer would she dictate. She was now his disciple, and he was her Lord and master. I found that a powerful story. But is your and my obedience up to date? Is there anything that we need to repent of? Finally, the Lordship of Jesus Christ involves willing service. There must be a time in your life when you, like the prophet Isaiah, are willing to say, here am I, Lord, send me. I read somewhere of the three A's of Christian service, anywhere, anytime, and any cost. The Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives involves our willingness 
to go where he sends us, when he sends us, regardless of the cost. Is Jesus the Lord of this area in your life? Can you honestly say anywhere, anywhere, Lord, anytime, Lord, any cost, Lord? It took me over 25 years before I gave in to the call of entering the ministry. And for most of that time, I was not happy. If God is tugging at your heartstrings, he's trying to get your attention. You know he will win in the end. The Christian life is a wonderful life. Christ has made every provision available for his children to live full and abundant lives. But there is a cost involved. Such a life does not come cheaply or easily. The life Christ has for his children requires that we die to ourselves. There can be no rivals to the throne of our life. It is to be occupied by Jesus alone. Is that something you need to do? Take a moment, just you and God, and ask him if you need to give him a key to an area of your life that you've been unwilling to yield. Amen.